Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digital Grocer, Season 6, Episode 2. I can't believe we're already at Episode 2. I am your co-host, Sylvain Perrier, and joining me today is the one and only fresh-eyed Mark Ferris. Well, I wouldn't I would say fresh-eyed. <laughs> um, I uh, Yeah, it, it's, it's good to be back. I still need these things for reading up close. You do. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's... you got laser eye surgery, I think. So. Uh, yeah, uh, just some ocular implants too. So it's like inject Steve Austin theme here. I love it. I love it. Great. So listen, Mark, we have a, uh, a good show today planned for our audience. You know, it's been no secret. The deeper that we get into retail at Mercatus, you start to realize how the industry really starts to cut across so many aspects of everyone's life. And we experienced that through the pandemic. We're yeah. even seeing that more so now, kind of with the macro environment. And the more that we're kind of tuning into local authorities at the municipal level, at the state level, and at the federal level, you start to realize the policy that they're creating is can have this massive impact on the food retail industry. I think, you know, recently we just saw uh, a case where uh, our, the CEO of Loblaws was in front of a parliamentary committee. Yeah, so our, our version is the U- of the U.S. government. So um, yeah, uh, all the CEOs of the major Canadian grocery retailers are brought in because of the, um, you know, the rise in food prices. And, and I think those food prices are continuing to, to remain elevated. And um, what's even worse is, is after, after uh, Galen Weston uh, Presented to the committee, uh, then then uh, Loblaw announced his his uh, pay increase, which which you know politically was probably not the, mo- the most astute move, um, especially uh, as consumers. I think there was a report out today that over a third of Canadian consumers believe grocery retailers are taking advantage uh, of the inflationary environment to increase um, profits. Yeah. And so, so when you come to realize is at the end, the end of the day, our retailers have an impact on our communities and even more so helping the nation, whether it's Canada, the U S doesn't really matter is helping them, them thrive. Now at Mercatus, we've been fortunate in the last few years, we've joined as a member, the California grocers association, and we, we refer to it as CGA. Um, and so just so our, our listeners understand the juxtaposition of California as a state in the United States, its economy eclipses all of Canada's economy, right? In Canada, we're 30, 37 million, mm-hmm. I think. And we actually just added a million, a million more in people the last in, the, yeah. in the last year, which is great for us because our population uh, is is aging. Now, the one thing that, that once you start to kind of get get to know the folks at, at CGA is not every retailer is created in the same light. You, you meet members that have one or two stores. You work alongside retailers that have hundreds, if not a thousand stores across not just California, but the nation. And so how do the, the smaller retailers that are facing the brunt of the same impact as, as a large retailer how, how do they deal with that? And and certainly one case that I can point to is when um, the the California Consumer Protection 
uh, law came in, the additional privacy legislation. How does a small retailer adapt to that and not know how to get you know, info from a representative in government and so on? Well, along comes the CGA, which is great. Now, to help us learn a little bit more about CGA, its role in the community, um, we decided to bring in an expert. And his name is Doug Schultz. He's a senior VP and chief operating officer. Doug, welcome to Digital Grocer. Thank you, Sylvain. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, great to have you. So you know, let's, let's start off at help us understand a little bit about the history of CGA. Sure. And, and before I do that, again, thank you for this opportunity to share a little bit about the, how the sausage is made or in the association business and in politics in California specifically. A lot of what I'll talk about is probably very specific to California, but uh, really appreciate uh, and thankful for the opportunity to, to kind of talk a little bit about my, my company, CGA. So, um, yeah, we are celebrating a milestone this year, um, 125 years, um, CGA. CGA was founded in 1898, which is particularly uh, impressive in California terms because if you consider the real influx of people to California was in 1848 uh, with the gold rush. So um, CGA has been around a long, long time. Um, founded by independent grocers, obviously that's what was uh, um, uh, in business here in California during that time. And that really has been the case for many, many years uh, that the independents have been very strong uh, here in California. Um, obviously, since that time, um, doing business in California has, has become um, um, more complex. Um, and as a result, the association has kind of needed to evolve uh, with those um, new challenges. So, um, uh, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot about and celebrate a lot uh, about CGA is the diversity of our membership, um, or I'll say the variety, but also diversity uh, of our of our members. And when you think about California and what that looks like, um, you know, California spans urban and rural areas across the state. Um, there's we certainly have very large uh, retailers within our membership, but those single store operators. Uh, that were the, the lifeblood of the association are still present and very active. Um, and then obviously every format, whether it's ethnic focused banners or whether it's the natural organic or co-op uh, members, we have all those. And then further to kind of think about it, you know, you have the discount channel is present in our membership. The um, uh, convenience channel uh, is in our membership, uh, as well as digital first grocers, which is a new incarnation um, uh, that are all within our membership. So it's very diverse um, uh, membership. And we also have a lot of suppliers like yourselves uh, that are service providers to those retailers, uh, large manufacturers, et cetera. So, um, and then of course I am not, uh, um, I won't not pander to, uh, my, my board and say, you know, we also have a fantastic board of directors. Uh, it's very large. We have uh, about 55 people that are on our board directors that really help guide the overall mission and, and kind of purpose of the association. And, uh, they're a fantastic group, uh, to, to work with. So that's true. Yeah, that's, yeah, and I appreciate I appreciate that. I, I think the the one thing from our perspective, you know, Mercatus is headquartered in Toronto, and I always find 
Canada, not, not Canada, but California sets the tone a lot from uh, a legislative perspective, I find in retail, specifically grocery retail, that trickles its way eventually to, to Washington. And so, so can you give us some examples how CGA advocates for its members? Yeah, of course. Um, backing up a little bit, I'll say, you know, obviously there's an association for everything. Um, there's even an association of associations, um, but not all associations look the same. Um, their mission, their purpose, their scope. Um, some are very focused on accreditation. If you're talking about some of the like medical or dental associations, things like that. But for us, really, our, our one of our biggest roles in the industry is around advocacy. Um, and it's especially critical in a low margin business like grocery, uh, where laws can have an outsized impact on uh, the viability even of a grocer. And uh, as you pointed out, especially in California, um, it's, uh, it's certainly a full-time job for us. Uh, we employ six lobbyists um, to be able to monitor and engage elected officials um, at the state level, but also down into the cities um, across California, which all have various stripes, as I kind of mentioned uh, earlier. So, um, you know, California gets so much focus and attention, and, and a lot of people may be curious as to, to why. I think it goes to what you were talking about. A lot of the issues are, uh, they kind of get their start here. Um, it, it's almost like California has become kind of a proving ground for certain ideas and concepts. And if they prove themselves out, then others that are so inclined will, will kind of uh, uh, jump on that bandwagon. Um, uh, and the other couple of reasons that California gets a lot of interest within the food industry segment in particular is um, the outsized uh, opportunity from a business perspective. Um, you mentioned population, uh, 39 million people live in California. Uh, if you look at that and compare it across just the United States, um, one of every eight people live in California that live in the United States, which is pretty crazy. Um, if you stack up from a GDP perspective and contribution to GDP perspective, uh, our economy would be the fifth largest in the world, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the, just the pure geography and scope of the state um, uh, you know, it's 800 miles from top to bottom and take you 14 uh, hours to drive it, um, which is not as long as it probably takes to drive across Canada. But uh, it is a, a very large uh, state and very diverse geographically, et cetera, um, from beaches and coast to um, inland. And then the third point I kind of make in that regard is that uh, people may intuitively know, but um, California's agricultural production is significant. Um, a third of all U.S. vegetables are grown in California, um, and three quarters of the U.S. fruits and vegetables are grown here in California. Um, so, you know, for the food industry, uh, you know, it starts taking on an added dimension that it's not just retailing related advocacy, but it's also um, farmers and, and everybody up and down the supply chain. Um, and, you know, if I kind of monologue here a little bit, but the um, the scope of uh, the and the act act 
activity of the legislature is also something that's kind of unique to California. Um, this year, 2,600, a little over 2,600 bills were introduced. Um, we, our legislature meets every year. Not all states have a legislature that meets every year. But that's 2,600 potential new laws um, being introduced. Last year, um, a thousand new laws were signed by the governor and he only vetoed like 170. So if they make it out of the state legislature and they get to the governor's desk, they have a, you know, I think that's 86% success rate of being signed into law. So we have to be very active and engaged um, with those elected officials as they're um, coming up with ideas <laughs> that uh, impact the businesses and, um, I'll, I'll also say that I think you can't underestimate the number of those ideas or those bills that um, impact the grocery industry. Um, you know, if you think about, like I mentioned, anything on the front end of the supply chain around agriculture, but anything to do with employees, because we employ thousands, anything to do with property ownership, um, that impacts us. Um, food labeling, food handling, you know, um, packaging, those are all big issues, crime, homelessness, those all impact our guys. So yeah, um, it, it's a lot. It, it's, it's a lot. It, it, my impression has always been, you know, watching California from afar being a technologist is the world's eyes are consistently on that station. Now, there's been pillars for, for, for all eyes. It could be because of the tech sector. I think we know a lot of great ideas have have come out of California and proliferated across the globe, social media being being one of them, quite frankly, creating an entire new industry. Second one, the entertainment industry. But the third is a majority of the goods flowing in from the West actually land in ports in in California. And if you're if you're a grocery retailer, my view is that it's a battleground because everyone wants to have a grocery store or a retail store in California because you access the population, the new ideas that are emerging. And it's it's gotta be a massively fierce battleground. So I appreciate you sharing that perspective. You know, there's one thing that you guys do, and I see this on your website, we talk about it at some of your events, it's this whole continuing education opportunity that's there for industry employees and their children. And it's not something that we see necessarily in some of the other uh, associations out there. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that with the, our audience. Yeah, absolutely. We, we love to talk about uh, that aspect of CGA. It's, it's, um, it's just near and dear to our hearts because it's the opportunity to really kind of give back to our industry and, and those that are working so hard in our industry. Um, so I'm referring to the CGA Educational Foundation. Um, it was established in 1991, um, you know, with that mission to, to give back to CGA members, employees, and their families. Um, it is a separate uh, nonprofit, charitable nonprofit um, and separate organization with its own executive director, its own board of trustees, et cetera. But its programs primarily all fall into two, two and a half categories. So um, uh, scholarship opportunities, um, tuition reimbursement opportunities, and then obviously just educational programming that the foundation puts forward. 
Relative to scholarships, um, this year um, the foundation will give out over $800,000 in scholarships wow. to uh, industry employees or their dependents. Um, yes, I, I double underline and highlight that one, $800,000 just this year. Um, last year was over $800,000. It seems to continue to grow. Um, one of the three reasons I think it does continue to grow this program and also the tuition reimbursement program is because um, developing your employees is good, good business. Um, it adds to retention. It adds to uh, growing the next level of leadership within your company. So our members are very generous um, in donating um, uh, the funds to allow employees to continue their education. Um, with tuition reimbursement, this is for employees of these grocery com uh, companies that are our members. Um, and an employee who's taking classes, either online classes or in-person classes, um, that are contributing to a discipline that would help them in their career in grocery um, can earn up to $2,400 in reimbursement for those classes in a given year. So wow. um, that's just free money. <laughs> so for those uh, that are interested in, um, you know, pursuing their career in grocery, it's a great way to do that for maybe free. So um. uh, I think that's great. <laughs> that is just amazing. That's amazing that you guys do that. And I think it's a big advantage. And, and you're so right. I mean, if you can really contribute to the growth of your employees, you're enriching your culture, you're making your company much better. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, it just pays itself back to the communities where these people reside. That's right. Yep. I love it. I love it. Now we've attended a lot of your events. Uh, we mess, recently met up with the team at CGA in, in San Diego, uh, which is one of my favorite cities in California. And you have a big event coming up in September, which we're really pumped and excited to go to. And maybe you can kind of share with us a little bit more detail of what's happening in that event and so on. I, and kind of maybe talk about how does it unfold and the opportunities that some of the vendors have to connect with the, your retail members. Awesome. Thank you uh, again for the question and the opportunity to talk about that. You know, I think um, backing up a little bit, I'll tell you that, you know, although advocacy is our primary, it's our headline, um, it's what we're known for, um, providing those opportunities for collaboration, um, whether it's retailer to retailer or whether it's supplier to retailer or retailer to supplier, um, is really a, a secondary or 1B mission of the association. Um, and, uh, you know, as competitive as our members are uh, across the street from each other, when they come to CGA, it's the opportunity, I think, to um, focus on the, the common uh, challenges within our industry or um, look for ways that we can really kind of um, collaborate. So uh, the event that you're talking about is one of our, our two big conferences, um, the CGA Strategic Conference, uh, which takes place in September uh, in Palm Springs. Uh, this year, it's September 24th through the 26th. Um, and, you know, it features three days of kind of thought-provoking educational content, but the core aspect of that event is um, pre-scheduled meetings that CGA uh, creates with input from the sponsors and from the retailers. Um, over the course of three days, we typically do around a thousand meetings um, or over two, two of those three days, we do those meetings. So it's a tight 
productive, meaningful opportunity to connect with partners and um, and have have meetings that that further your business objectives, um, as well as all the uh, social events and other things that kind of make it feel like a community. I think that was uh, one of your impressions the first time you attended was how intimate and close um, that event kind of uh, creates that feeling for the attendees. Yeah, I, I will say, I mean, Mercatus, you know, between Mark and myself, we we attend all the key events in industry and then some. We try to go to the smaller, more niche ones uh, in, in, in what I call a secondary markets. The big difference that I find when I go to the, the CGA event, there's a strong sense of camaraderie in the room and it's intimate. In the sense, in the sense that it's easy to talk to, maybe uh, a, a vendor that you think you could have a business relationship with, and you can brainstorm something, or you may have, you know, we have competitors that are in the room, and there's there's certainly no animosity. So you're talking, you know, to those guys, hey, how's this working? How's that working? But the beauty is, is everyone is at the same starting line with the appetite and the desire to learn. And that right away creates this openness and transparency, which I think you guys get 10 out of 10. For Thank you for 100%. that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Listen, it's been great having you on the show. And, and I will say for any of the vendors that are listening today, if you're not part of the, the CGA uh, team, you're not a member, go to the website reach out to Doug and his team, be part of this, because at the end of the day, we're only as good as the relationships we have in industry. And this is the right team to get you on, on track to doing that. Yeah, and uh, thank you again for the opportunity. And we have uh, a fantastic team at CGA. Couldn't do all that we do without the 15 or so folks that are pulling hard to uh, support uh, our members. So uh, yay team. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Again, thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. Welcome. And Mark, as always, how do people get a hold of us? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> certainly, uh, Doug, great discussion around, you know, your advocacy, your industry support and good work. So thank you for that. Thank you, everyone. We will see you in the next episode. Thanks for watching and listening to our show. We've got more great episodes on digitalgrocer.com. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at Digital Grocer on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn and at digital underscore grocer on Twitter. Like, subscribe, and click that bell icon so you never miss another Digital Grocer podcast.